Oracle is a $40 billion company, almost $40 billion in revenue. Oracle has been in business. It was founded in 1977, so it's been in business for 40 years. It's one of the major technology corporations in the world. And today, on episode number 261 of CXO Talk, we are speaking with three of the top analysts in the world, and we are talking about Oracle Corporation. I'm Michael Krigsman. I'm an industry analyst and the host of CXO Talk. I'd like to say a quick thank you to Livestream for being a great streaming provider. And if you go to livestream.com slash CXO Talk, they'll give you a discount on their plans. Without further ado, let's begin our show talking about Oracle Corporation, looking at their technology, looking at their business, looking at how they've evolved over low these many, many years. And to begin, I'd like to introduce Liz Herbert, who is an industry analyst with Forrester Research. Hey, Liz, how are you? Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me on today's show. As mentioned, I'm Liz Herbert. I'm one of the analysts here at Forrester Research on the applications team. And I've been with Forrester since 2002, so I just had my 15-year anniversary. And in that time, I've had the opportunity to track many of the developments going on in applications as well as application services. And of course, one of the big shifts, which I'm sure we'll be talking about throughout today, has been the shift to the cloud. Thanks again for having me and welcome to everybody. Well, Liz, thanks so much. And this is your second appearance on CXO Talk. And it's, uh, it's, it's great to have you back. And you and I bump into each other at conferences all the time. So it's, uh, it's good to chat with you here. Now, our second industry analyst is Neil Ward-Dutton. Hey, Neil, how are you? This is welcome. This is your first time on CXO Talk, so welcome. This is my first time, Michael. Thank you very much. Uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. So, uh, yeah, my name is Neil Ward-Dutton. I'm the research director at MWD Advisors. Uh, we've been in business about 12 years now, since 2005, and we now have a community of about 7,500 uh, kind of IT uh, and business uh, managers and doers, kind of people like architects. And our focus, uh, for anyone who doesn't know us, is uh, how digital technology changes work. Great, fantastic. How digital technology changes work. I suspect that is going to be one of the topics that we touch on today. I hope so. <laughs> and last but not least, I'd like to welcome another analyst who is been on CXO Talk before, Mike Fawcett, who is currently with G2 Crowd. Hey, Mike, and welcome back to CXO Talk. Hey, Michael, thanks. Nice to be back. I think this might be my third or fourth time now. I don't know. You keep asking me, so I guess I did okay. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm at, I'm at G2 Crowd. I'm the chief research officer, and uh, I've been here almost two years now. I came from IDC before that. I ran the uh, enterprise applications group there for about 10 years. And um, also, while I was at IDC, I was um, the lead analyst from the firm for Oracle. So I had worked with them quite a bit um, through the years. Fantastic. Now, as I mentioned during the opening, Oracle is a very large organization. It's been in business for 40 years now. And any company that has been around for so long has evolved, go through, gone through changes. And to begin, let's try to place Oracle in context. So, Mike, I'll ask you to say a few words. What's going on with 
Oracle today, and over the last number of years, where has the company, how has the company evolved? The industry itself um, has changed quite a bit um, over the last 20 years, really. But um, but in the in the 2000s, when uh, we started to see a lot of consolidation, Oracle was one of the companies that that really led that charge of uh, bringing other application companies in and expanding their application portfolio so that it became really quite broad. Um, and then at some point, they started on this transition path, building out um, solutions that would work on the cloud and, um, and, and, you know, all the way from infrastructure and, and up the stack all the way to applications. And I'd say, you know, for the last several years, they have been um, really focused on uh, changing the relationship, changing the way they do business to, to do this ongoing subscription-based um, business around almost all the products, uh, product lines anyway that they sell. And certainly they still have a lot of legacy customers and they have, you know, older applications that are on premises still. But, um, but the, the bulk of what they're selling new now is, is cloud-based and that runs from the database up through the application layer. So it was, a, it was definitely a, a company that's been in transition and they are pretty far down the path now. So other analysts, uh, Liz, your thoughts are, you, you focus on services and also applications. So what are, what are you seeing in the market with respect to Oracle today? Sure. You know, one of the things we've seen is that, like you said, they're one of the largest technology suppliers out there. And sometimes that means they're not the fastest. They don't necessarily take risks the way that some smaller and more startup types of companies do. Um, so, for example, it's well known that Oracle was a bit late to the overall cloud uh, competition that we see looming large in today's applications market, as well as platforms and infrastructure. Uh, that said, when they invest, they go big. And so, you know, one of the things that's been notable about Oracle is that uh, where they're jumping into a new area of customer demand, they're able to put a significant amount of investment behind it. And in fact, there's something very unique about the company, which we haven't really talked much about yet. But, you know, because Larry Ellison owns such a substantial part of the overall company, they're able to take decisions in a way that many other public companies of their size would not be able to. And so that's had a strong influence on where they invest. So cloud is an area where, though they were a bit late, uh, they're clearly making significant investments. You can see that in the way they uh, treat their salespeople, in the evolution of roles like customer success, as well as, of course, in the products where those investments are heading. And then similarly, you know, we, we're all seeing there's yet another wave of technology looming. And this is the wave of, I'll call it uh, digital technologies. But what I mean is artificial intelligence and machine learning and automation and Internet of Things and you see that if uh, you look at what Oracle has been investing in more recently, they as well are jumping on that wave. And again, they weren't the first, um, but they've certainly got some deep pockets and we're seeing them put a lot of muscle behind that now. Neil, uh, another component of this is not just uh, database, not just enterprise applications like ERP or CRM, but also all kinds of infrastructure and platform as a service. And so what do you what do you think about that? What are you observing there? All the stuff that kind of sits between, right? The uh, the, the filling in the sandwich. Um, well, this is, um, you know, it, it's a pretty crucial part, although often it doesn't really grab the headlines in the same way the other parts of Oracle's business do. Um, you know, my sense, I'd really agree with, with the other guys here um, and place a slight twist on it. You know, 
few years back, I think Oracle, uh, you know, Larry Ellison was famous, wasn't he, for saying that the cloud was kind of lunacy and complete craziness. Uh, and they, it was clear to see at Open World that, you know, all the executives kind of process onto the stage one by one and really proclaim this kind of cloud conversion. Um, it's really kind of an about face. And, and like Liz said, you know, huge, hugely uh, kind of radical shift for the company over a pretty short space of time. Now, on, on the platform side of things, you know, fundamentally, it, it, my, my, my view is that Oracle's strategy is is kind of defensive, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, nor is it um, nor is it surprising. Um, you know, its position and its strategy is fundamentally about realizing that the center of gravity for the foreseeable future for new investments is going to be cloud. So it's all about being there when customers want to be want them to be there, right? So to kind of minimize opportunities for customers to go anywhere else, to make sure that they always have something that they can offer customers when customers go to the cloud and want to do things. So fundamentally a defensive strategy, but actually one that makes a lot of sense when you think that Oracle has what, four or 500,000 customers, um, it can actually do very healthy business by just making sure that it takes its customers on the journey to cloud and it provides the services they need as, as they take that, that, uh, that journey. Uh, and, um, you know, I think the other thing to just round this out is to, is to, point out that, you know, Oracle has for a long time really been about um, pitching to mainstream kind of conser slightly conservative buyers. And when Oracle talks uh, about six journeys to the cloud, um, you know, what it's really saying is no matter how fast or how slow you want to go, we'll be there for you and we'll hold your hand, right? So this is fundamentally a trust and a safety message that they're playing here. You know, I think uh, just to to kind of link two of the threads here, or it's it is quite amazing how Oracle has embraced the cloud and the the speed and the focus with which they have done that. But to I think it was to uh, Liz's point, Oracle has a clear leadership, a clear leader at the top in Larry Ellison, and the company lines up behind that vision and that mandate. And as a result, I think that's a, a big part of the reason that it's been able to embrace the cloud so rapidly. Any thoughts on that? I mean, Mike, you've been watching Oracle for years. What do you think about that? Sure. Well, you know, it's a good point. I think that um, they do have a nimble, focused um, leadership team. And, 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 you know, Larry Ellison certainly um, is savvy enough from a business perspective. I, I used to used to laugh when I would go to the investor days and have um, you know have Larry stand up and really throw rocks at all the cloud players. And and out of one meeting, he, he the, the quote was, uh, you know, I love this cloud stuff. I told my marketing people to put cloud on everything. I mean, it, in that day, he was doing what you what any good business person would do. He was selling and, and growing the business he had. But behind the scenes, he was building out and, and working on technology that would actually stand up, you know, five, six years after that and be a, a, a cloud offering. Now, of course, they also acquired a lot of solutions on the way, too, but they have a broad cloud portfolio. And I think um, I don't think that that was accidental. Some people think maybe it was, but I, I never thought it was. And if you look at I mean, look at Larry Ellison's investments, <laughs> uh, you know, NetSuite and um, Salesforce. 
those were and very early on both, by the way. So, you know, he, he didn't uh, miss this. I, I never thought he did. I think that the company moved um, slowly because they do have a conservative um, set of customers, but they moved at a, at a pace that is now uh, showing itself to have worked out well. And, you know, there are a lot of large companies that are investing in, in buying Oracle applications in the cloud um, and and talking about Oracle as a partner, which, I mean, let's be honest, there were times when that language would not have been perhaps used, but, but they are, they're definitely um, shifting the way they, they uh, interact with customers and, and the way they sell their products. And, you know, I, somebody said, uh, you know, the Salesforce shifted quickly. Yeah. If you, Salesforces shift when you pay them and they pay them uh, handily to focus on cloud. And guess what? They focus on cloud. Liz, you you talk with a lot of um, customers, and you're focused on services. What about this notion of Oracle kind of moving closer to the customer, becoming more responsive to customers? Um, they they've hired a a chief customer officer. So, what do you think about that? Sure. Like it was said earlier, I I think that's a huge shift. And I, as well as others said, noticed a big shift this year at the Oracle Open World event, uh, really featuring different elements, really putting that customer success story front and center. And that's notable. Uh, We see that more and more companies realize that the the, the whole shift to the cloud has really meant partnering with strategic vendors. Because when you buy the cloud, you're not really buying features and functions. You're buying a long-term partnership where you trust that they're going to be making investments in the features and functions that you're going to need in two years, three years, four years. And that's a big shift from when you you know, would do a big RFP and buy a large package software uh, and then you know, use it for the next number of years, maybe doing some upgrades here and there. And so you know, I love that they put more of a focus there as well as I think they've done a good job showing how they are starting to change that culture you know, from a culture that made a lot of money selling sometimes tens of millions of dollars software packages to one that now wants to be in this business of subscription-based pricing or pay-as-you-go, depending on what product you're talking about. And, you know, to do that, uh, we've all seen the numbers with other firms who are pure cloud, uh, you need to be able to renew deals. And you're not going to do that if you're not in it to be more of a partner. And so that's, that's a market shift that we're seeing in not only their culture, but also in the types of roles that they're prioritizing. Neil, you're thoughts on on this with res- with respect to uh, cloud as infrastructure as opposed to uh, software as a service well I think um, something that's really really important to remember um, like you said at the beginning Michael you know it's been around Oracle's been around for 40 years and what was happening at that time what was it that gave birth to Oracle well it was the client server revolution, right? It was the shift from mainframe and mid-range, mid-range computers to LAN-based, client-server-based computing. So I think Oracle kind of really deeply understands the power of these huge kind of periodic shifts, kind of episodic shifts in, in platform. And we're obviously in the middle of another one right now. So to me, uh, it was always a bit absurd when we heard uh, execs from Oracle a few years back saying, oh, you know, this is, this is all crap, basically. Uh, and, and, you know, makes complete sense. Now they're finally really get really properly getting to grips. Um, again, echoing uh, Liz and Mike's comments, you know, I think it's, it's really, really important to see that Oracle is changing its culture and focusing more on customer relationships and, and maintaining 
maintaining those close relationships with customers because yeah unless you have those high renewal rates you're going to you're really going to stuff yourself fundamentally in the long term and you know oracle has always fundamentally been about trying to maintain long term relationships so it's it's needed to make that shift i think uh again i'm going to probably spend a lot of time saying oh yes like the others said but again like the others said uh like liz said particularly you know we're seeing now uh, a new wave of technologies kind of enter people's consciousness uh in in tech leadership positions around ai around robotics around machine learning uh, all those things and another thing that was really interesting to see in the context of that platform business at open world was you know oracle is not uh holding back right it's you might think that uh, you know given i said a little while ago that it's fundamentally pursuing a defensive strategy we might think it's it's really just doing good enough um but i do believe that actually oracle's pushing further than that it's it's actually trying to go further than just good enough certainly when you look at what it's doing around uh uh chat um <clears throat> excuse me chatbot uh, based channels when you look at what it's doing around ai frameworks uh machine learning and uh, and even blockchain uh it's not just kind of putting stickers on bits of paper it's actually pursuing these quite seriously and with quite a lot of thought and to me that's a really encouraging sign right yeah, it's it's not just kind of doing good enough and i because i think that would be very dangerous you know what's really interesting to me hearing the three of you talk is if we would have gone back in time say even say 3 years ago even we would not have the i think the tone would have been less positive i mean you guys this is like this is a very positive tone right neil i mean the things you're saying uh well i do think there's a lot to be positive about i think the challenge that oracle still has um, is fundamentally a challenge that lots of companies that have been around for 30 40 years have um which is how do they convince the broader marketplace that they are part of the future as well as part of the past right so you know focusing properly and executing properly around things like blockchain chatbots ai and ml all that kind of good stuff that's really important but fundamentally it's also not enough um and the it seems to me the real challenge for oracle is how does it engage with the people who are building new businesses and the people who are building kind of businesses within businesses right those entrepreneurs who are now driving digital transformations and so on how does it convince those people that it is actually there for them as well as the people who invested you know 10 15 years ago in oracle's e-business suite or, or in you know some of its crm technology or you know 20 30 years in its database so uh i do think it's it's not all like a rose garden right there's still a lot of work that oracle has oracle has to do and that's not about actually fundamentally building product it's about um telling stories in a way that makes sense to the people who are now driving the agenda i don't think it's quite got that right yet but i'd love to know what the others think as well i mean i'll add something neil that i i love what you said earlier about the path to the cloud how it really gives any kind of a company options uh in terms of their level of you know being conservative being willing to take more risks and and some of those factors are economic or also to do with the competitive set that they're in. I mean, if you're a financial services company, there's so much pressure on you from fintech and everywhere else that you really have to change boldly. On the other hand, if you're in one of these resources uh industries or some of the utilities um areas I'm talking about really oil and gas uh, more than utilities, 
you know, they've got some financial uh, issues going on. There's been a lot of volatility in the pricing, right? So while they may want to be, you know, disruptors and think ahead to a digital business, they've got a lot of stark realities about living in that kind of a cost-constrained environment. And so, you know, listening to what you said earlier about the paths to the cloud, I, I fully agree with you. You know, that's something that's a real asset for Oracle to be able to market. And it, it's exactly true what you said, where you've got these customers, they could be running e-business suite or PeopleSoft that, so we are all industry analysts and we're in the business of looking at, you know, where is the market going? Of course, all of us day to day are talking to end users who are, you know, deploying these technologies and many of them for whatever reasons um, and some that are probably not the right reasons, but some that are, uh, they, they just can't jump ahead that quickly. And so I, I think that's exactly right is that's a real power of some brand like Oracle that can keep a foot in the old and keep a safe path for customers who have the desire to do so while also trying to push, you know, this vision of the future and make that as easy of a path as possible through various different channels they've got. Well, you know, I think um, it's, it's an interesting point to say that customers and, um, and I mean, business in general has changed, we know, and, and, um, and you hear people talk about digital transformation and we think about platforms and we think about this kind of new way technology plays in business. It's, um, you know, it's moved much more into a, a competitive uh, you know, differentiator or competitive advantage. It's something that, you know, companies that jump ahead can really leapfrog competition by using technology and people in the, in the right sort of combinations. And so, you know, fundamentally, the, the way that companies think of what they want from the technology is started to shift. Now, there's, there's the conservative middle that'll, you know, that'll follow that isn't out on the edge yet. But, but you think about companies like Oracle and Salesforce and, you know, others that have to, to, to be able to work in that environment. They have a business they have to maintain. And at the same time, they want to start to help those customers shift and move in the directions and have the things available that can help them do that. And, and you saw, we mentioned, you know, we mentioned uh, artificial intelligence or uh, IOT or blockchain. I mean, those technologies are out there and you are seeing companies start to use them, but they, but they aren't a thing that stand by themselves. They're embedded inside a platform and they become a part of this digital uh, infrastructure and, and platform and fiber of this new company as they move forward. And, and having that available is really important. They may not use it yet completely. They may not go there all the way yet, but they need to see that that if they partner with a company like Oracle or Salesforce or, or the others, that they've got a partner that is investing now and going to continue to invest and evolve because we all know that that technology and the use of that technology is going to evolve. Um, and, and we don't know what the, what's the end state for a digital business. I have no idea. I know that it's a journey. It's a long journey. And, and it's something that a lot of businesses are still going through. And, and they want a partner to go through that. And I, I heard that more this year than I've ever heard from Oracle customers and the ones that I talked to and interacted with that Oracle was stepping up and being that, that technology partner as a part of this whole uh, cultural and technical shift that they were going through. Yeah, and I also, as I was uh, at Open World talking with customers, I mean, I just, you you have a stronger sense of, or one has a stronger sense of cooperation that's taking place. I mean, it's it's too much of a stretch to say that that we now have a much kinder, gentler Oracle. <laughs> but uh, 
But there is something going on. And we have a question from Twitter uh, from Arsalan Khan on th an aspect of this who asks about Oracle's uh, willingness to share data, talk to other software, things like that. Anybody want to make a comment on that? Because I think when you look at APIs and you look at data exchange and interoperability, that's a, a sort of technology reflection of the uh, openness state of mind, so to speak. Any thoughts on that? Anybody? Well, I, I mean, I think it's a reality, Michael. I don't. I think that you know to, that they that the days of the proprietary stack. I mean, they they like that. They have things that can be proprietary, but the idea that you can stand alone and not be integrated, not be open enough to integrate across mixed environments. The IT shops and and the Fortune five thousand are all hybrid right now, and they have all sorts of combinations of cloud and legacy. So if they can't operate in that environment, I think that they simply can't serve the customers that they're trying to sell to. Neil, you look like you were going to say something as well. No, that's fine. So um, uh, really to, to, you know, I suppose to, to echo uh, Mike's point as well, right? So we see through surveys that time and time again, CIOs and other kind of people driving technology investments tell us very, very clearly that when they're looking to make investments, openness and flexibility are more important than feature lists, right? So whereas if you go back 10, 15 years ago, um, it would have been, you know, very much more about, okay, does this product do, you know, as a thing with kind of hard edges around it, does it do a set number of things that I need it to do? More and more we see tech leaders prioritizing okay, how open and flexible is this platform? And I think if Oracle were to ignore that trend, it would be toast. I mean, it would be completely left behind. So, um, you know, you can see it as part of the PaaS uh, strategy. You look at, um, you know, support for uh, what many people would prefer to kind of polyglot environments, right? So it's not just about, uh, like, if you go back five, 10 years, you know, Oracle would say, well, you know what, you've got Java, You've got some Java frameworks in there that we built. They're kind of proprietary. And if you want to do anything else, then, well, good luck. Um, now they're saying, yeah, yeah, you can do that. Um, but also you can do Ruby, you can do PHP, you can do, um, you can do all kinds of stuff. And that's all cool. And I think when you marry that to, like you said, Michael, you know, what's happening around APIs, what's happening with things like the Oracle Integration Cloud Service, you know, these things are all absolutely fundamental to the proposition that Oracle has to make now. Um, and something else just occurred to me as, as, as you were talking, one of the, the things that really stuck in my mind from open world was, I can't remember who it was now, said, the Oracle cloud is the only cloud you'll need to run your business. Which to me is a pretty stark and, and interesting kind of marketing statement, right? But the immediate thing that came to my mind when I heard that was, well, what about the, uh, the cloud you might need if you want to change your business, not if you just want to run it. Well, you know, if Oracle's to have any chance of playing that game, openness and flexibility have to be at the heart of what they're, what they're offering, right? Um, you can't, in today's environment, you can't have a change agenda, which isn't fundamentally based around open standards, open protocols, open programming language, open programming models, uh, and even you know, openness to different different venues for hosting, right? On-premise, private cloud, public cloud, somebody else's cloud. These are all parts of, of the game that they have to play. 
And I'll add something to that. I think you've made some great points, uh, both of you, Mike and Neil, about, you know, the open architecture and the open standards and, and how Oracle has shifted as far as that goes. But what else I've seen is they've just become more open generally. And I'm talking about culturally. They've become more transparent, more open. They're more happy to share a customer reference. Uh, they're more happy to discuss who are their logos for some of these new products that they want to talk about. And to me, that's another part. You know, you, you both raised the great point that when companies are selecting technology partners, they're going to look to see if they are open in terms of the technology, but they're equally looking to see if they're open in terms of their culture. And that's been another shift I've personally noticed watching Oracle the last few years. Now, I just want to uh, remind our audience that you're watching CXO Talk. We're talking about Oracle Corporation, and we're speaking with Liz, with three top industry analysts, Liz Herbert, Neil Ward-Dutton, and Mike Fawcett. And right now, there's a tweet chat going on using the hashtag CXOTalk. And it's a perfect opportunity for you to ask questions about Oracle or anything else you want to these, these three top analysts. Now, Liz, uh, don't go away because I want to turn attention to the Oracle applications. So what's happening from a, a software standpoint at Oracle? Can you share your thoughts with us? Sure. You know, I'll share a few observations. You know, one is what we've been discussing the last 30 minutes, uh, that they've made a significant investment towards cloud. So most of the core applications, if you look at ERP and HCM and CRM, um, and now supply chain and other areas, they are now available as the cloud. Um, what's notable about Oracle's strategy as it relates to the applications moving to the cloud, which really is uh, more and more part of the strategy we see with customers, is that they are a very comprehensive portfolio. You know, while we might talk about giants uh, in the cloud space, particularly pure plays, uh, Oracle offers a very comprehensive suite uh, available on the cloud. And, and to me, something different about this approach to the suite that uh, is different than what we saw in the, in the 90s and in the early 2000s is that by design, the nature of these cloud modules is that you don't have to bite it off all at once. And so they've enabled a lot of different types, just like we were saying with the paths to the cloud and the paths away from legacy applications, they've enabled a lot of different approaches, a lot of different entry points to try and use those. Um, so a lot of the clients that I'm working with, what they like is that, you know, they are able to go to fewer providers. I, I think some of the clients I've worked with, they're getting soured on this litany of SaaS and cloud applications. You know, going best of breed is certainly in fashion right now, but just like any other time in history, too much best of breed is a bad thing. And there's a cost of doing that in terms of the vendor management, in terms of the overhead, in terms of not getting great discounts because you're buying small chunks of software from everybody. Um, so that's a couple of comments. And then the, the last thing I want to highlight is, you know, Oracle's really made great investments in industry. Uh, Mike Fossett re referenced earlier the acquisition binge that they were on in the early 2000s. And some of those companies were very deep industry-oriented companies, such as Retech for Retail, um, Stellan, and, and, and others. So a lot of them in retail, in utilities, uh, in healthcare as well. And what's notable about where they are today with their application strategy is those industry-specific applications lag the horizontal ones. So I know I'm working with clients who are keenly interested to move more and more of their portfolio to the cloud. They want to work with Oracle for a variety of reasons, but that's got to be the next phase for them because today there's not that much there. However, you know, if you look broadly at SaaS adoption, cloud adoption, it's been pretty horizontal across the board, across every vendor, and that's the pattern of adoption we've seen. So it's not to say that 
other competitors are outpacing them, but that's part of an industry-wide challenge we're tracking as well. You know, that's really interesting because this notion of companies wanting to reduce the, the say, the vendor footprint, uh, reduce the number of vendors just to for, for simplicity's sake, and therefore going back to suites, it requires that trust that we were speaking about, because if you're going all in on a suite, you better feel good about that vendor. Make sense, Liz? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other point I'd add about something else that's different with today's suites, um, it's it's back to the point we talked about with open. So one of the other trends we're tracking is this idea of SaaS ecosystems, or you could say cloud ecosystems, you know, more and more leading applications vendors are in the cloud, first of all. Um, And second of all, they offer an ecosystem play, this could take the shape of a marketplace, um, or other similar flavors. But you know, essentially, that's another factor that our clients are looking at too. So they, they may want to buy from a vendor like Oracle who's got a wider portfolio of applications, but inevitably they will also need some of those truly best of breed niche applications that aren't going to come from that vendor. And so that's been another shift we're seeing is some of the clients I'm working with, they're starting to think about that during vendor selection. It's not just what is the vendor, are they open, do they have the right culture, all the things we've talked about, but then also how do they foster an ecosystem? Do they really make it easier for me to consume? And do they really encourage or do they say they have an ecosystem, but they're you know, trying to cut into their business at every at every turn? So, you know, that's another important battleground that we see brewing in its early days for that as well. Now, another point that we haven't touched on really at all is the Oracle database. We've been talking about Oracle as a cloud company, as, a, as an infrastructure cloud company, as a software as a service company. But what about the database? That that database still runs business in many, many, many large organizations. So Mike Fossett, do you want to give us an, a, a quick overview on the, the database? Sure. And, and think about how unusual what you just said is. So we, we just spent what, 40 minutes or whatever it is now talking about Oracle and we haven't brought up the database once. I mean, that how often would that have happened, uh, you know, two or three, four years ago? Um, and, you know, just like the, the tech industry, we've seen, you know, software for years. You, you, most companies that were really successful, wildly successful, had a product that was, you know, a category killer product. And the database, of course, was for, for Oracle. And certainly they invested and continue to invest in evolving that uh, offering and and you know while the world moves to the cloud, it doesn't change the fact that underneath that there still has to be a place to put all that data. Uh, some of it's unstructured now, of course, but some of it's structured. And and Oracle, of course, is invested across both of those um, and in the cloud. So you know to compete with Amazon and and um, and others there, uh, Microsoft, um, that they have continued to evolve the database. And I you know the the big announcement this year was um, was 18C. And, and that's the uh, database um, evolution that, uh, that, that Larry talks about, Larry Ellison talks about, that was, you know, the autonomous database. And um, the idea, if you just take it in its own sort of little bubble, it seems like a pretty, a pretty interesting idea. We, you know, we've seen a lot of issues with uh, keeping software current, particularly from the security standpoint. I mean, the Equifax uh, breach is the great example of, oops, we forgot to patch this little thing. And what did that do? It opened up a huge window. And that's just the reality. It's, it's difficult to keep things up to date. So, um, so, so now if you could have software or database that, that has the capability to take 
through several different types of technologies, the capability to do things automatically, autonomously. So there's two different things there. Um, then, I mean, that's a pretty good proposition. And, and it did make, you know, it made a, a pretty big splash. And if you think about the, the impact of the database, it's, um, it's, it's a combination, though. It is database as a service. And it's not in the autonomous iteration of it. It's not just the database. It's also or the Oracle operations, cloud operations team and, and a whole sort of offering that goes around that that makes it completely autonomous. Uh, it is also automatic in that it has a lot of features that do happen. Uh, it's self-provisioning, it's self-tuning, it's self-optimizing, things that you used to have to spend a lot of DBA, you know, the database administration effort doing. Uh, now those are automatic or can be automatic. <laughs> and then they could also be autonomous. So you don't even have to do anything more than, than to define the policy. So that's a real shift. And, and, and that's, you know, it's the idea is not to replace DBAs, by the way. It's to free the DBA up to do things that are more strategic and, and look across the business and add more value to, to the way they use data and the way they analyze data and other things there. Um, but it's a really interesting offering. And it's, uh, it, it's, it, it's available in December in its first iteration as a data warehouse. And then next year, uh, OLTP version in June, I think, is the target. But um, but it's it's not you know it's not completely baked yet, but it is definitely uh, moving, and it's and it's an evolution, a combination of a bunch of technology that they've been working on for many many years. This this notion of uh, the autonomous database that you don't have to patch. I have two two questions. Number one. Uh, why is that important? For example, you know, in insecurity. In and number two, they're announcing something that is not going to be fully fleshed out, maybe for what, perhaps another year. So, and they'll ship part of it in December. So how real is this and how likely is it that they'll actually be able to deliver on that promise? The, the interesting thing is if you start to unravel it a bit and look at its base level technology, a lot of the features, a lot of the capabilities were already in 12C when they released 12C. So this is the one thing about Oracle and the database. There are very few times in the history of their releases where they have done this huge gap between what they did before. It's a continuous path of innovation that keeps them ahead in the database and it just combines all of those new features in and adds some new capabilities in each time they release the new one and they they have a great history of uh, being able to to do exactly that to hit those releases for the database they and, and so I, I mean i think that there's good confidence in the customer base then to talk about your first question though the the, the, the automatic piece, the patching piece particularly, it, it, this is a really complicated problem for a lot of businesses to, to make sure that all of the software in your stack has been patched on a regular basis, even just to know all the patches that are available for a mixed stack that probably has some open source in the infrastructure. It probably has you know different vendors involved in that. Um, it, it's very difficult to do that, to keep everything current. And like I said, the Equifax... Um, security breach recently is a good example of that. I mean, it was a, it was a missed patch 
that had been available for months and they just hadn't applied it. So in the in the new database that Oracle's talking about, it has the capability to either once a quarter apply all the patches automatically, or you can even in critical cases, you can define for it to happen automatically when when the, the patch is released. So it's there's a certain amount of, of uh, control from the user, but it's but it is automatic. And it and it matters. And it matters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we are just almost running out of time. We have a few minutes left. And so what I'd like to do is ask each of you to kind of share your view of the next two, three years of future. Where do you see Oracle evolving? And Neil, maybe do you want to take this from an infrastructure and a pass point of view? You want to want to try that? Sure. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. Um, where do I see Oracle in the next two, three years? Well, um, you know, like I said earlier, um, you might expect that Oracle would be kind of doing just enough, right? Because fundamentally, you know, uh, more broadly, it's playing a defensive position. You know, it, it makes no, no secret of the fact that it's all about kind of shoring up its database business, shoring up its enterprise apps business, making sure that as people move to the cloud, they don't have reasons to go look anywhere else. Um, so you might think that they're just going to do good enough. Um, I, I would say that barring any surprises in terms of kind of big executive shakeups or huge changes of direction because of some kind of mega acquisition, continue to maintain position, you know, maybe not at the very, very leading edge of kind of platform as a, uh, as a service kind of capabilities, but not far behind, you know, um, really being, uh, I guess you might call them a fast follower uh, in terms of implementing the capabilities that we talked about earlier, you know, whether that's IoT related, chatbot related, uh, AI and, and machine learning, blockchain, all that other stuff, right? I, I From what I saw at Open World and, and what I've seen from talking to execs at other venues, they continue to place a lot of importance in these investments. Um, to me, the, the, the only main question that remains is, uh, to what extent fundamentally in the field do they end up trying to drive those capabilities into new parts of the market? And to what extent do they focus on mainly trying to make sure that their existing kind of core customer base takes some of these things up, right? So to me, it's really a question of, uh, you know, how big the box around Oracle is. Is it basically the same size box as we have today? Or does Oracle really try to grow that box out? Uh, so, uh, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, the, the, the question about the Oracle footprint. Where, where is Oracle going as far as that footprint trajectory? And Liz Herbert, your thoughts on where things are going and maybe look at it especially from an applications and, and even a services and customer relationship perspective. Sure. So a few major shifts I think we're going to see in the next three years. One, we started to see traces of it at Open World will be the real uh, shift of applications that now embed next generation technologies like artificial intelligence, automation, and blockchain. One thing Oracle is doing very well is making that not as a standalone separate part of their story but really showing what that means in the context of CRM, in the context of supply chain, et cetera. Right. Um, and I expect in the next three years, we'll see significant advancements there. The market is starting to look for it and they're clearly putting a lot of muscle behind it. 
Um, second, I think the industry story will start to become very, very strong. Uh, we're already seeing that. And you mentioned the partners. I know talking with a lot of their services partners, that's where they're investing. I mean, services partners know industry. You know, they tend to be very, very deep when you talk about not just a broad industry like financial services, but a sub industry within there like wealth management or even more specific than that. And so that will be a big part of the story in the next three years, I believe. Um, third would be the shift to data as a service. You know, they, they talk about cloud with one extra layer on it versus a lot of companies, uh, you know, infrastructure as a service and platform as a service, or some would call those some combined cloud platform, uh, software as a service, clearly, and then data as a service. So right now, most of the use cases they've promoted at the recent Oracle Open World event tend to be marketing in nature, at least most of the ones they showcased. But you could see applicability everywhere. I mean, one of the shifts that you get from moving to a one version you know, multi-tenant uh, SaaS offering is that you've got very unique analytics. You can do great analytics on compensation or HR recruiting processes or, you know, supply chain processes. And so that's a third thing that I'll see. And one final thing that I want to tie back to something Mike Fossett said earlier, you know, right now the story has been really about the shift to the cloud and some of these next generation technologies, but what they haven't done a great job of yet is showing fundamentally reinvented business models, new business models based on Oracle technology. And I expect within three years, we're going to start to see them tie together these technology and investments with real disruptive business stories. Their competitors are doing it. And so the industry demands this of them. Okay. Uh, and it looks like Mike Fawcett, you are going to get the final word. Where is Oracle going over the next uh, three years? Oracle has proven through the years, and, I, and I've and i watched them closely for 12 years and certainly more than that as a competitor before that. They're very good at playing a longer game than you guess they are playing. I think um, a lot of a lot of analysts, a lot of people, you know, uh, customers even have in the past maybe thought that um, so they were short-sighted around certain things. But if you look at the longer play and you look at how much they have done, um, you, I think you're right, Neil. They're not going to be, you know, the bleeding edge of anything because that's not where their customers want them to be. But they can easily be a fast follower that does innovative things inside of a continuous innovation paradigm. So if you trace where they have been, the story's been really consistent for at least 10 years, maybe more. They had this apps unlimited strategy. They made all these acquisitions. They started the fusion project. It, took a long time, but they built, you know, out uh, applications that had the capabilities to be in the cloud. And they started to, you know, they added the hardware business. They did all this. All of that is just continuous innovation that gets them to where they are now. So I think if you just continue to draw that line out, you're going to see they're going to continue to do more with embedded AI. They're going to continue to do more with IoT. They're going to, you know, continue to, to expand the use of the blockchain, which I think is, you know, in talking with customers, there's a lot of excitement around that. Um, and I, Liz, I think you're absolutely right. They're going to go deep, deep, deep on verticals, vertical clouds, industry clouds. That's really the next wave. Um, and I think they know that. And that's where they're going to go uh, the heaviest over the next few years. Okay. Wow. What a what an action-packed 45 minutes we have had. I want to thank our three industry analysts. Uh, this is we've had a lot of information about Oracle and where Oracle is going. 
Mike Fawcett from G2 Crowd, Liz Herbert from Forrester, and Neil Ward Dutton from MWD Associates. Thanks so much, everybody. I'm Michael Krigsman. And check out CXOTalk.com. We have another show on Friday. We have shows all the time. Be sure to like us on Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. Take care, everybody. Have a great day.